Welcome back to Flash Knockdown. We are back. It's been a little while, but we're coming to you live on the ground from Abu Dhabi for episode 10 ahead of our huge world title triple header this weekend. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, joined as always by my colleague, producer Scott Hamilton. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. The Welsh wizard, Joe Cordina, forced out of this weekend through injury, of course, joins us to look ahead to Zelfa Barrett versus Shavkat Rakimov, the winner of which he will face next year. She's conquered it all at 147. Now, Jessica McCaskill bids to land all the marbles at 1.40. She's in the studio a little later on. Team Bivol's Taylor Ramsdell gives an insight into his SNC programme and what makes Dimitri the monster he is in our Everyone But The Fighter segment. Former British, Commonwealth and European champion turned trainer Jamie Moore takes on our Dance Partners Challenge and Gamal Yafai runs over the best things to happen in boxing last week. Don't go anywhere. Well, Scott, we are on the ground here in Abu Dhabi. Thankfully, the sun has just gone down. We're in a nice air-conditioned room. Mate, it's so hot out here, man. It's lovely. The people are great. But I've got pale, pasty, Scottish skin, and I'm struggling. How are you finding it? Because it's so hot everywhere you go. You can't really move. Yeah, I can certainly relate to, to you there, mate, uh, apart from the Scottish bit. Look where we are. We're in the desert, pretty much. So, yeah, struggling. Uh, I've spent a lot of time indoors. I think I was outside for 10 minutes yesterday, and that was about my limit on factor 15, which certainly wasn't strong enough. But yeah, great to be in Abu Dhabi, first time over here. People are great, like you say, and uh, yeah, looking forward to a big night this Saturday. Well, we've had a few jokes before about you wearing your Canada Goose jacket everywhere you go. Actually couldn't believe my eyes when I saw you in a pair of shorts earlier. Amazing, really. I'm proud of you, mate. Thanks, mate. Fans who are listening to this podcast since day one will know there has been a lot of references about my legs, and it has been, I think, firmed up now that my legs do exist. So um, yeah, they're, uh, they're out. I don't think for much longer. I might, might put some trackies on tomorrow. Well, let's just talk about what we have been up to. Obviously, last week, Katie Taylor retaining her undisputed title. We obviously had a show in Mexico as well over the last fortnight. Disappointed, as everyone was around the world, to lose the Eubank Ben fight so close to fight night. Um, it was a bit of a surreal time for everyone involved, really. And obviously, we're awaiting further developments on that. Um, but yeah, as a fan, obviously, disappointing, wasn't it, after all the build-up that we didn't get to see the, the culmination and the finished product. Yeah, we was obviously deep into fight week when you think of it. Um, all the content was out the door and the build-up. But yeah, it's been, what, four weeks now since we've done a pod and obviously it didn't feel right to, to do one that week. Um, and the two weeks after that, I was obviously in Australia for a week with the Paro Jarvis show and then I had a week off. You was out in Mexico um, and here we are now. So time flies. Well, how was Oz? Uh, obviously, first venture down under. Good, good card from what it looked like watching back home. Great knockout. Uh, in the main event, big statement win for Liam Paro. But for you, what was the atmosphere like in the arena? How did the the locals seem to to take to us being down there? It was quite a unique venue, um, to be fair. It was like half half indoor, half outdoor in sort of a, an amphitheater style sort of setting. Um, banged out, they were loud. I mean, I've been to a few different Australian sports down the years. Uh, they do like a drink, similar to the Brits, so they got stuck in and were very loud for for the main event in particular. It was quite a compact venue, like it was a low ceiling, so the, the energy was bouncing off. And like you say, the, the knockout was spectacular and that sent everyone wild. So, yeah, very impressive from Liam, who now uh, obviously puts himself into contention for a world title shot next year. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully I'll get out on the next one, uh, just hiding someone's bag or something. But many more big shows to come down under, of course, on the zone in 2023. Let's just touch on Katie Taylor last weekend back at Wembley Arena, where it all began for her, what, some... Six years ago in 2016 now and, you know, a, a decent performance against uh, a come forward and, and game Carabajal, who, you know, these mandatories, you never really know what you're going to get, but ended up being a, a worthwhile challenger, I think, for Kay. Yeah, I think she was definitely tougher than we expected, certainly I expected. I, I actually thought Katie might get the stoppage and roll back the years. It's been a while since she's got someone out there early. But, you know, credit to, to Carbajal. Um, we say it all the time, don't we? These 10 twos literally fly by. You know, relevance this week as well for Katie. You know, I'm sure the winner of the 140 undisputed fight is uh, of interest for, for Katie next year. Obviously looking for that homecoming at Croke Park. I guess, you know, one of the girls who wins this week could throw their name in the, in the hat. We've got to do it, right? I mean, for for our sake, we all want to be involved in that as a fan, but Katie so deserves that big night at Croke Park. What does it hold, 70? 70,000? I think 80, I think. I think with the floor seats as well. Uh, I've never been there, but 
you know, you see the, the games on telly, it's massive. She certainly deserves it at the, at the latter stage of her career. It would be a, a, a tragedy, I think, to look back on in years to come and, and think Katie hasn't boxed in Ireland. So it kind of feels like, you know, time-wise, it might al align quite nicely. You feel like spring next year, summer, lovely, beautiful day in, in Ireland. Guinness will be flowing and the fans will be rocking, I'm sure. For me, I mean, you mentioned the, the winner of... Jessica McCaskill and, and Chantel Cameron sort of throwing her name into the hat. For me, it's got to be Serrano. I mean, we've talking about it before on the podcast that night in New York at MSG. Well, so incredible. The fight matched it. For me, it's got to be the Amanda Serrano rematch. And then, I mean, would anyone begrudge Katie? I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, she's reached the end of her career. But you're talking about legacy. You're talking about financially life-changing nights. She had that at MSG. She's had that for her last few fights. But to, if she can beat Serrano again... In Ireland, if there is a, a fight to call it a day on the back of, if you're drawing the perfect scenario, you know, is that it potentially? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I actually had a chat with her manager Brian in, in the weeks leading up to the Carbajal fight. I kind of think she's running out of options a little bit, really. I mean, what we spoke about, maybe a crossover fight with a, with a cyborg. I'd, I personally would like to see her have maybe three or four more fights and get out, you know, legacy untarnished, unbeaten. Um, maybe she could become undisputed at two weights. But yeah, you know, I agree with you, to be fair. You know, that is a, an option. But just touching on Serrano, I don't know if you, you saw it in the last couple of days, she's been ordered to fight Erica Cruz for the undisputed fight, which is quite a rarity that a governing body would sanction an undisputed fight. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, you know, Serrano follows that up uh, or, or takes the, the Katie fight next. Well, I guess it would have to be, you know, weather dependent anyway. So we'd, look, we'd probably be looking, what, summer, spring, summer anyway for that fight. So maybe Katie can have a, have a run out and then we look forward to that monster. But talking about monster fights, monster fight cards, what a way to kick off the Champion Series in Abu Dhabi this Saturday night. The return of the man who beat the man. We were obviously ringside in Las Vegas for Bivol Canelo. What an incredible night that was. A great performance from Dimitri Bivol. What a cool, cool bloke. I think that's the only way I've been describing it. You know, at the, at the presser today, he's got his Balenciagas on. He's got his uh, Dolce & Gabbana gear, which I don't know if Eddie's maybe sorted him out. His discount code, I'm not sure what's going on there. But great to see Bivol back in action in a, in a real tough fight against Zerdo Ramirez, 44-0. It's interesting to see he's actually the bigger man, Zerdo. Saw Zerdo get in the ring and turned to someone and said, I can't believe this guy made 168 two years ago. He is huge. Like, genuinely, huge. the frame of a heavyweight. So... I mean, very, very interesting fight. Very interesting fight. A clash of styles, obviously a southpaw against an orthodox fighter. Uh, I can see a, a case for, for both guys, but I think the confidence from Dimitri coming off that Canelo fight, the way he moves in the ring is, is fascinating. And I think that might play, play a part. He's huge. <laughs> he's a monster. Um, just to touch on Bivol, very noticeable that his English has improved a hell of a lot. We first had him on a card, I believe, in Monte Carlo five years ago when he iced Broadhurst and around. And... You know, cards on the table. I think you could barely say a word of English. But you know, three or four years later, I know he used to watch the TV show Friends to pick up his English and whatnot. But he's almost fluent now. So fair play to him for that. That will only help his overall profile uh, and the like. So yeah, enjoy it as always to be around those guys. You know, Vadim and the rest of the, the team are, are top guys. Yeah, he's he's mad to watch on the pads. I came out here a couple of weeks ago to film, make the days count. Um, Dimitri was staying in a, a nice villa with all the team. We're in the, the Crown Plaza Hotel on Yaz Island here in Abu Dhabi, just to paint a picture. Um, but Dimitri and all the team staying in some villas about 10 minutes drive away from here. And he was on the pads in the garden before having a, a nice swim to call off. But effortlessly, he's almost floating when he's on the pads. It's, uh, it's amazing to, to watch up close and certainly got very deceptive power. So I can't wait for that fight. Just one word, Scott on the chief support. Actually, it's not the chief support, rather, but it might as well. You know, it definitely could be uh, the third world title fight on this Saturday's card. Zelfa Barrett and Rakimov, we obviously mentioned Cordina, was stripped of his IBF world title very shortly after winning it following that hand injury. But Zelfa Barrett, what an opportunity for him. You know, the, the, the world was, the boxing world was all very much with Zelfa following the really sad news when his mother passed away. Obviously, she was so close to him and, you know, they were a very tight-knit family. But he's found a lot of motivation from that. He's put together a few good wins, become European champion, and he really, really believes that he'll beat Rakimov this weekend. And he's talking about Joe Cordina. You know, we could see that in Manchester or Cardiff. But this is a big fight, and obviously we're all very much hopeful that the Zelfa can get the job done. Yeah, big fight, big ask as well. I think Rakimov is a very, very shrewd and tough operator. But then again, you know, a world title fight shouldn't be easy. I think Zelfa knows that. 
And like you say, he's, he's been very confident this week. Some fight weeks, maybe he's a little bit, um, not shy is not the word, but you know, he sort of keeps himself to himself. He is a, an outgoing individual, but I think on a fight week, he really sort of locks in, zones in. We saw that on our behind the scenes episode yesterday, actually. He was sort of uh, talking to the camera and outlining he hasn't really been out and about and, and seen much of uh, Abu Dhabi and it's sort of waiting until after the fight. So, you know, he switched on. Fingers crossed, Selfa does it and sets up that fight with Joe Cordina. 100%. And talking of Joe Cordina, obviously was due to be on this card himself, fighting Rakimov in his first defence. But delighted to say the Welsh Wizard does join us here in Abu Dhabi, very much on a scouting mission for the winner of Rakimov versus Barrett this weekend. Joe Cordina coming next. Well, delighted to be joined here on the ground, of course, via Zoom, because Joe Cordina... You're in Abu Dhabi, but very busy. Lots of uh, social activities planned for you. But how are you enjoying your time here so far, mate? And, and the weather as well, because it is uh, extremely warm out here, which is something I think you probably enjoying more than me. Yeah, well, it was um, it was a great start yesterday, even though I was absolutely knackered. Um, didn't really sleep much on the plane. Landed uh, in Dubai and then got transferred straight to Abu Dhabi. Straight into Ferrari world doing roller coasters. So, um, apart from being absolutely knackered, it's been unbelievable to be honest. This my hotel's un- un- unreal. I'm staying in the Ritz. I don't know who's paying for that, but not me. Um, <laughs> yeah, apart from uh, being a, a little bit bittersweet, it's been a great start. Well, yeah, I just want to talk to you about it. Obviously, being at the, the media public workout yesterday, seeing Rakimov and, and Selfa Barrett obviously getting in the ring and going through the motions. I was mm. stood right next to you when Rakimov got in the ring and just sort of asked you how you were feeling, really. It must be a bit of a, a strange feeling, but I guess from a British perspective, you're also happy with Zelfa. Is that a, for him to have this opportunity? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, well, obviously, he's, he's the next one down in line. So, yeah, he he earned him, himself that, that shot anyway. Do you get me? So, I would... If it was someone else that was maybe number seven, eight in, in the rankings, then yeah, it'd be I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? But yeah, Zelfa's next in line, so why not him? And he's 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 a, a British lad, a British lad. So it'd be a lot better if he he won on Saturday because it it sets up a big British showdown for a world title. I think obviously since the looking at the recent wins, obviously the Joshua Hernandez knockout and then. The monster knockout, limbs flying all over the gaff in Cardiff. Obviously, when you stopped a Gower in in the way that you did, the confidence is obviously high. And I don't think you'll mind me saying this, but I asked you about Rakimov, and you said pretty sternly to me, "I'll knock him out." I think that's how you know that confidence yeah. is is really shining through. And you believe that you know should Rakimov come through this fight, and it, the original fight does happen between yourself and him, that you do take him out inside the distance. Yeah, well, his his style is just like he comes forwards. He can box a bit, but I don't know, he, he he puts it on people, he's in your face, and I ain't gonna have to go and look for him. Yeah, I I just believe I I, I could I could knock him spark out. He'd have to be calling for that if it is Rakimov or, or Barrett for that for that matter, I guess, you know, we have to return to Cardiff, right? When you when you think about that night, Joe, in June, I mean, I've said this to a few people. I've not <coughs> celebrated I've not celebrated a win like that uh in the three years I've been a matchroom. I'm not sure how it was for you, Scott, but I'm sure it was fairly similar. Um yeah. yourself. It was the fairy tale perfect moment, Joe, wasn't it? Really, if you were if you were drawing it in your head. Yeah, well, it's in my hometown for a world title, and the fashion I'd done it, it was just next level. One, everything we just flowed lovely for that through that whole week, not just through the fight. Everything was perfect. So for me, after the fight, I, like I've said to you, you guys before, I I I will be a world champion. It's not if, it's when. I've lived that moment in my head so many times. And when I actually won it, I, I was walking over to the to the um, the after party where you guys were, and <laughs> yeah, what night that was, Joe? Me and Spider, <laughs> me and Spider, and yeah, but all I got back late, so it was it was a bit of a shitter, really. And everyone who like my family and that, they couldn't get in, which was done my head in. I was absolutely plastered, mate. By the time you arrived, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so so when me and Spider walked over, he was lucky. He looked at me and he kept looking at me. And I was like, what "The fuck, you're looking at us." I was, I was thinking, and he went, um, "He went, bruv." He said, "You're world champion." So I'm two like two seconds have gone by, and I'm like, "Yeah," I said me as I've been doing me number one. Yeah, he's going nah nah nah. He said, "You don't understand what you've just done," 
And I said, what do you, like, what do you mean? And I'm, I'm laughing about it. He said, bruv, you're world champion. He said, look left, look right, look behind you. He said, you're world champion. You're the champion of all of this. I went, I said, Joe, it's mad, isn't it? And he, he went, mad. You went, bruv, you've done it in just a mad fashion also. So, which was crazy. But like I've said to you guys, where I'll be world champion, I've lived this so many times in my head. It wasn't a surprise to me. That's why I wasn't... Initially, when I knocked him out, yeah, it was a. I loved it because of the way I'd done it, and everyone was hyped. I was, I was, I don't know where I was. I was floating, but when I got out of that ring, it was like yeah, I'm buzzing, and everyone's on a buzz. But when I got back to the hotel, I didn't sleep because I was still my adrenaline, and I was going. But I, it, I still got to remind myself I'm a world champion because it was where I've. Where I've, like I said, lived this so many times, I knew I'd be a world champion. It, it, it didn't come to a surprise. Like, to a lot of people, it would have, but to me, it never. So it just took a lot of conviction. Go on, no, go on, Scott, after you. No, just talking about that that night, actually. It was um, our photographer, Mark Robinson, said yesterday, because uh, I think, Jamie, you, you sort of mentioned it in a, in the circle that we were sitting down in having a bit of food. You know, what was your, your favourite moment in the match room? And I think that was one of your shouts, and... Our photographer Mark Robinson actually said to me yesterday, he was like, I don't think I've ever seen you celebrate a, a fight like that. And I think it was it was everything. Like you say, Jay, you know, we've sort of seen this journey unfold from from day one. And I think it was the manner of the way it happened as well. Um, like you say, all, all week it kind of felt like something special was brewing. Uh, and then it did. And also it extended to after the fight as well, because I had a great night. So thanks for that. I think my favourite bit was when... Uh... Bawatsi completely forgot that he was commentating on the fight. <laughs> I saying, yeah. Do you know? Do you know what, boys? Do you know the mad thing is, like, when that fight comes comes up or whatever, or if my my missus watches it, or my sister, my dad, they always post it and stuff. Um, and it wasn't for me to watch the fight because not much really ha- like nothing really happened in the fight. It was just it was a bit cagey, and then I caught him with a good shot. And then after that, it was just, I kept going back to watch that moment and everyone's reaction outside the ring. How is the, uh, how is the hand, mate? And when, when do you think you'll be able to start putting anything into it and then maybe throwing a few shots again? Um, it's healing nicely. It's healing nicely. I'm happy with how it's going so far. Um, I spoke to, funny enough, he texted me at the open workouts, um, Mike Hayden. And just asked me how my hand was. I said, "Yeah, it's good. I haven't had no trouble at at the minute. No n- niggles. Um, it haven't hurt." But I said, "Don't get me wrong. It, sometimes maybe in the mornings it gets a bit stiff and stuff." So he said, "Um, okay." He said, "We'll X-ray. We'll get you X-rayed six to eight weeks. So, um, but that takes me to December. So we'll, which that was his original sort of timeline when I can start punching. So I'm gonna get it X-rayed." And then we'll go from there. But um, yeah, it, it, the first like couple of weeks, I when I done my hand, it was it was quite a bad couple of weeks for me. Like my uh, yeah, my head was all over the shop. So, but I've learned, I've I've dealt with it, I've overcome it, and obviously, yeah, I'm I'm here now. And yeah, it's like I said, it's a bit sweet a bit a sweet moment for me to watch them fight for my belt. And Joe, just talk to us about the lay of the land of the uh, division at the minute, because obviously it's fragmented somewhat with uh, Shakur. Yeah, oh, Shakur just fucked the shit up, didn't he? I know I probably shouldn't be swearing, but That's yeah, right. he's just messed the whole division up. Um, well, nah, he haven't really. He's he's um, he's opened it wide, up, wide open, so you, you'll have people fighting people that probably wouldn't be fighting. Do you get me? They're all chasing Shakur. They're all chasing that sort of pay where um that payday but yeah it's it's a good thing because it, it allows big fights to happen Well, the Chief Supporting Contest, the Saturday's main event, is, of course, the undisputed super lightweight showdown between Chantel Cameron and our next guest, Jessica McCaskill. Cass Killer is next on the show. We're delighted to be joined for the next part of the show by the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, campaigning this weekend, of course, to become a two-weight undisputed world champion and hold all the belts simultaneously in the two weight divisions. As far as I'm aware, 
I don't think that's been done. Has it been done? I don't actually know if it has. I, I want to say Clarissa Shields did it um, for for two weight classes, and now she's she has a third weight class. But I don't know simultaneously how many she's holding currently. But obviously, she's setting the bar really high. You're certainly part of a very narrow pool of fighters who will have achieved something as, as incredible as that will be. Let's just talk about the press conference. Jess obviously finished a couple hours ago. I think there was a few wry smiles when you leant back behind Eddie and you gave Chantel a little bit of a piece of your mind. Obviously the first time you guys have come face to face since the fight's been made. Talk us through the, the mind game tactics heading into to that press conference and this fight as well. Did you just feel like you needed to give us something to think about? I mean, like like you said, this was the first time that we had been, you know, face to face. And, you know, I don't mind speaking directly to her. I don't mind saying exactly what I think. And, you know, I'm not just saying random things. I'm saying factually what happened from the last fight is that girl felt my power and she begged for someone to stop the fight. She thought about her life and her family and she didn't want to risk that. And, and the power shots that she was getting from me was just too much. So I thought I could bring that up. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one really to talk trash or say anything that's not true. Anything that I've said about Chantel is about the way that she has an exit strategy and the way that she doesn't sit and bang. And um, that's pretty much it. Anything else that anyone asks me, I talk about myself. I talk about my own strengths. So if she's got like some random stuff, you know, build up in her mind for the reasons why she, you know, doesn't like me or whatever, or her team or whatever, then maybe that's just her game plan and what she needs to try to be successful. We're talking about your own strengths. Uh, Eddie's talked about it all the way through the build-up, that you are a fighter who's just got better and better over time. Do you feel that's the case? And, and what do you put that down to, do you think? Every fight that we've had for the last, I don't even know, since 2017 has been on a world-class level. And when you fight in those fights, you come away from those fights with a certain kind of wisdom that you didn't have before. And the experience, it just changes you without even you having to you know, do anything. It just changes you. And so I, I do think I've become a lot better just from the experience. And then with my coach, Rick Ramos, having the experience as well, he sees things from a different angle. And so he prepares the, the camp and the training and everything much differently. And we put a lot more into all of our training. So it's just kind of a nonstop for, for each fight. Chantel says uh, she's going to bring you down a few pegs. She's going to shut you up uh, when she, I think the quote was when she hits you in the chin, that your face is going to drop and you're going to realize how hard she hits. Do you respect her power? Do you think like what Eddie said, you, you, you're talking about exit strategies. You don't think it, it will be a case of her standing and, and trading with you in this fight? I mean, I know she normally sits at about, you know, 160, 170, but I'm used to fighting girls at that weight, being in the welterweight class. Those girls come down from their normal, you know, resting weight, and so I don't think she'll bring anything that I'm not used to. You know, I spar with men that are heavy in the gym, and so I don't think she'll have anything that'll surprise me. I just want to take a little trip down memory lane with you. Uh, I've been... Asking a few fighters this week, obviously three world title fights on this card, one undisputed fight, which is of course your fight, about the feelings of becoming a world champion. And you know, for you, the feeling of becoming an undisputed champion, I believe August 15th, 2020, I've got written down here, you dethroned Cecilia Brackhouse out in the streets in a, a crazy, crazy setup. I mean, it was so mad watching it back from the UK, obviously. But when you had the belts wrapped around your shoulders and you hear, and the new undisputed champion of the world, we're never going to know how that feels. <laughs> Can you, can you put into words sort of uh, the feeling that, that you actually have when that's spoken into reality? It's, it's pretty massive, not just for myself, but for everybody that helped me get there, for my team, for my sparring partners, for all of my supporters and my communities, the different schools and kids and everything that look up to what we're doing. And it's, it's just pretty crazy. And specifically that fight being in COVID and being, you know, originally scheduled for April and then pushed back to August. And then, you know, we're at the, the whole COVID and, you know, I couldn't even see Rick for a couple of days when we first got to um, Oklahoma and the world was shut down and then we're fighting outside and that was the first time I fought outside so it was just like everything that could ever pile on was piled on at that moment and so to come out victorious was pretty amazing. And of course you went on to beat her again uh, in the rematch all credit and respect to Cecilia of course lovely person and, and a, a legend of the sport as well but when you think about in your own head that shift of being a challenger and having that mindset and then being a champion. It's a bit of a cliche, isn't it, that you keep the underdog mentality, but is that something you do always try and do? Do you feel it helps you maintain that focus? 
Yeah, I think you can be an underdog in more than one way. Sometimes it's just the the number of fights that the other person has had in comparison to you or the level of fights that they've had in comparison to you. Or maybe you're going to a country where, you know, they have favor because that's where the, their fan base is, so you're automatically the underdog. So I never really take, you know, airs to think like, oh, I'm a champion, everyone's going to love me and this is going to be an easy ride. It's just much easier to continue to work and hustle and grind. I've done that my whole life, coming from being homeless to a world champion, you know, it's not, hard work isn't anything that's new to us. So I just figure, you know, keep that same mindset and don't think that anything's ever going to be handed to me. I'm a big fan of speaking things into existence when I talk to fighters and let's say all goes to plan uh, on Saturday night, you become a two-way undisputed world champion. What's the state of play with the belts at 147 in your mind? Obviously, you'll focus on Saturday, but what do you imagine happening in 2023? Well, I'll have I'll have 40 and 47. So according to Rick Ramos, um, obviously we'll have to vacate one or the other. But we have been having conversations about going up to 154 to fight Terry Harper. We've talked to her team and to Steffi, and they're they're interested in that. So this being the last fight on the matchroom contract, hopefully we can get re-signed and they support you know that journey to maybe get a third um, undisputed at the heavier weight class. I suppose there's a few good fights for you up at 154, the likes of Natasha Jonas as well, because it's. It's been rumoured that Terry and Tasha might do battle for all the belts. So who knows, you could be in the frame for a three-weight undisputed world championship fight next year. Yeah, that's the thing about female boxing right now is that there's so many people that they have belts and that they're active and, you know, they're high class level. And sometimes, you know, the females move around and wait a lot more than the men do. But that's just because we want the best for boxing. So we're going to go out there and we're going to risk, you know, changing things up and giving ourselves a little bit of a harder time just to get the good fights for the fans. In terms of women's boxing, I know you, you would have spoke about this quite a lot this week, but it is great that we are talking about the position it is in. When you look at 2022 with Shields Marshall and Taylor Serrano and obviously your fight with, with Chantel, if you're a young lady turning over right now, how do you compare the, the opportunities and the role models they've got to look up to compared to what yourself and the likes of Katie did? Because it's incredible, really, isn't it, the transition? I mean, just looking at the different messages that I get on different social medias from, like, little girls or people asking for autographs, and, and I respond to them, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're talking to me. You know, I definitely didn't have that when I was coming into the game. I was watching mostly men's fights, and there was hardly any females to ever fight in the amateurs. That's why I only have 25 amateur fights. So um, I totally think that everything has flipped compared to when I first started boxing and to where it is now. And that's such a great thing because not only are the little girls looking up to women, but like little boys look up to the women fights too and say, man, they are really banging. And that's interesting. And that's great. And they see us in the gym and they want to be just like us. So we're an example for a lot of people. They're seeing it more and more, I think just as boxing, right. And that women's boxing, men's boxing, that terminology and that divide is, I think that, you know, the lines are blurring a bit more now. Yeah, and once you see, you know, a guy in the gym and he's working out really hard and you see a female and she's working out just as hard or maybe even better, the lines are blurred and you just think boxing. Jess, I'm not going to ask you to give me your game plan because Rick will (laughs) tell you off and he'll tell me off as well. But Saturday night, in your own mind, how do you believe you win this fight? How do you want to win this fight? And why should all the fans around the world on the zone get excited for this because I think fireworks in Abu Dhabi are in store. I think we both have the same idea when it comes to uh, Chantella and myself. You know, I'm, I would love a knockout and I don't think it goes 10 rounds and if she's coming like she says she's coming, it's going to be just a straight banger. Well, Jess, there's one noticeable addition to your left hand. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, a couple of months ago, you guys got engaged. I just wondered if there was a date set yet. There is no date set yet. We have not even talked about it just because this fight was the priority and that's what life is when you're a boxer. You have to make sure you set your priorities and not get you know, distracted by anything. So uh, we might have a, a big engagement party when we get back and then we'll talk about a date after the fight. <laughs> Great stuff, Massive. Congratulations to the pair of you. Of course, Rick Ramos, for the listeners, is sitting just a few feet away from me. I suppose just one final question on this dynamic. Because uh, I know Ramla Ali uh, and Richard Moore are obviously together and he, I think, has moved into a manager role with her now. But when you get into the gym, do you have to park everything else at home? How, how does that work? You know, sometimes he'll he'll like kind of get on me about, you know, how hard I'm working. And I've, it hurts my feelings. So I feel like he should know that I'm working as hard as I possibly can. But that's just the, the coach role. And I'm in the fighter role. And, you know, I think the the better parts of it is that, you know, once, you know, the 
the gym is over and then we come back together as a family, we can kind of like keep each other in line as far as like, okay, we don't have to talk about the gym right now. Or if you do want to talk about the gym, I'm the person that's going to listen. So we always just really mesh and meld very well with whatever each other needs and concerns with ourselves and the boxing world put together. So when you're about to start sparring, you won't remind Rick that he didn't do the dishes from the <laughs> night before. Do you know what I mean? There's not these type of conversations. <laughs> no, not at all. It's when we're in the gym, we're focused on the gym and then maybe some like playful, fun stuff. My dog comes to the gym blessing and, you know, everybody's a fan at the gym so but I know I will not remind him to do anything <laughs> Jess great stuff thanks so much for coming on you guys have all been an absolute pleasure to deal with this week so best of luck on Saturday night the world awaits uh, can't wait for it thanks so much well it is that time of the week again dance partners on the face of it it is quite simple but let's see if that continues to be the case this week we speak to a fighter who has had 20 or more fights in their professional career they then get 30 seconds to name as many of their opponents as they can in that time as the weeks go on we'll formulate a leaderboard and the winner will receive a donation to give to a charity of their choice now who could you get on this week was the question we were on the hunt for a former champion someone who's very much involved in the show in Abu Dhabi this weekend and someone who's got as much of a tan as me. Jamie, I don't think you've been outside that much, have you, mate? What's going on? No, I'm like Stephen Ward, sort of esque see-through, <laughs> see-through skin. Well, it is, of course, Jamie Moore. Jamie, thanks so much for coming on the show this week. First of all, the two guys that you have on the show this weekend, Chantel Cameron in a massive fight, undisputed, yeah. and Akib Fears as well. First question I want to ask you is about Akib, actually. Um... I had a good chat with you and Nigel at the launch party this week. It's all a bit razzmatazz over here, isn't it? But everyone talks about you and Nigel as being extended members of their family and being fatherly figures that they can go to with just about everything. For the year that Akib Fiaz has been through with his brother who's out here with him as well, and as a family, how proud are you for not only the role that you've played in, in getting him emotionally in the right place to fight, but also just seeing him back in the ring and, and seeing him smiling again? Yeah, he's... Um that family, a beautiful family, and uh, very, very close uh, members of our gym. Um, I took a shine to him straight away as soon as he came down to the gym. He came down sparring Carl Frampton originally. He was only 18 at the time, and um, and I took a shine to him. And uh, yeah, what they've been through is horrendous. But um, but you know, thankfully for everyone involved, we've we, we've sort of created a bit of a network in the gym where everyone feels sort of part of the same team, able to speak to each other when they've got problems and stuff like that. And uh, I don't even know really where it came from. He's just he just sort of grew into in, in, into what it is today. And I'm 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 just thankful for him and 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 Assam and Atif, his brother as well. And just you know, I can't even imagine what they've been through. But but us being in a position to help him through it, um, yeah, it makes me. Like I said the other day, it's bigger than boxing. It doesn't, you know, boxing is obviously a very important part of our lives, but it's not more important than actually life itself. And you know, when you can sort of help people and nurture them through situations like that, it just goes above and beyond that. And as a fighter, happy with where he's at. I mean, I spoke to him a little bit earlier on this week, and he said, you know, he's looking at area titles, perhaps maybe some youth titles next year. Do you think that could be realistic? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to him about it last week and I was saying early next year you'd be in a position to be looking at the English title because we've matched him in a way that he's got a lot of experience um, in terms of the opponents he's boxed rounds boxed and um, he's not stopped anyone yet and that's more of a of a sort of reflection of the level of opposition he's been in against he's been in against the higher than you would generally expect um, him coming through so He's developed so much because of it, and I think you'll, you're going to start to see him really sort of come, come into his own early next year. And for Chantel, um, we also had a chat, didn't we, about the Jack Catchell Josh Taylor fight? And you know, I, I think I've, I texted you straight away uh, that night. I remember it so clearly. We were, we were all we were on a fight week, Scott, weren't we? Yeah, it was at the O2 watching it, yeah. and there was certainly a few disgruntled uh, members of the matchroom team watching that. I remember texting yourself as well, like Jamie said, it was. Uh, yeah, it was it was hard to take actually, not being involved as a fan. But obviously, you know, you'll be able to tell us more. It looks like you've got it back in for February. So yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a big Josh Taylor fan. I'll admit that, and I, I think as a bloke, he's a he's a good guy as well. Every time I've ever dealt with him, he's been he's been a pleasure really. But from a boxing perspective, 
I certainly believe that Jack Cattrall won that fight. I certainly believe he should have had an undisputed world champion in the gym. Chantel to have this opportunity, you, you'll feel it should be the second undisputed champion in the gym, but to have this opportunity once again for, for yourself and Nigel and the work you've been doing with Chantel, do you believe she will do it and there will be no questions this time around the, the true winner? Yeah, I do. I, I think Chantel, is, it's, she's sort of born for, to do this. Um, and... You know, she she's been waiting patiently, obviously through through no fault of her own. It's not it's not been as sort of plain sailing as Eddie would have expected with the sort of tournament that was set up. Um, Callie Reese, you know, unfortunately wasn't able to take part, and then it's sort of dragged on and dragged on. Chantel got a little frustrated. She at one point thought it wasn't going to happen, but fortunately for her, it is. And um, and I really believe she's she's the 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 better the opposition she'll be in. The, the the better you'll see of her. I mean, I don't believe we've seen anywhere near the best of her yet. Um, some of the sparring, what you see with her and the lads in the gym is unbelievable to watch. And, uh, you know, I have to generally spar with lads because I can't put her in with girls because it, it's just, it's not fair. And 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 that's quite a big statement, but but it's true. She just, she just overwhelms them really, really quickly within within a round or so. So um, so to get the best out of her, we've, we've had to make sure she's mixing with the lads. And um, and she's actually brought Akib on because, because she's sort of showing him the ropes, teaching him tricks as well. So it's, um, it's a great team effort. Jay, you've been involved in a lot of big fights. You've had 37 fights as a pro. But this quiz, how are the nerves holding up? Because we've asked a lot of people. We've had Maxi Hughes, Crawler, Josh Warrington, Barker, Gill, Bellew. I, I reckon, see... I was involved in fight of the year three times, so my memory's not the best. So I, I reckon, I reckon I'll do okay because, uh, because, you know, I've got a few fights what sort of stand out and people talk about still now. So I'll do all right. What, give me a number. What, what's what? What are we aiming for? Maxi Hughes leads the way on eighteen. So in thirty seconds, that's a good score. That's a good score. Anthony Crawler, yeah, Crawler on sixteen. Josh Warrington, George Grove, fifteen. Barker and Jordan Gill, 14. Bellew, 13. Jesse Vargas, 10. Sorry, John Ryder, every time we do this, nine. So nine's the benchmark. Right, you've got to beat the gorilla. And also, just to say, Jeremy, there's obviously a trilogy fight in there. That's one point, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, you only have one. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to get us on a technicality, mate, all right? So what we're going to do is we're going to start the clock in three seconds. Are you ready, Scott? Are you ready, Jamie? I, th I think so, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. Go. Matthew Macklin, David Walker, uh, Michael Jones, Ryan Rhodes, Paul Denton, uh, Clive Johnson, uh, Scott Dixon, uh, Andrew Facer, Gary Logan, um, uh, Michele Piccarillo, uh, Zooman, something Zooman, Roman Zooman. Um, Time. Boom. As he did. Not, not great, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, I, I know just from looking at the notes here, I don't think you finished bottom, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> so, producer Scott, uh, official decision is in, scorecards are in. Didn't finish bottom, but unfortunately out of the, uh, the charity podium spots, Jamie Moore scored 11. That's not good. But you've let your country down a little bit, mate. You're, you're, you're meant to be out here representing the UK and Abu Dhabi and this is... This is, you know, Chantel and Nikib are going to be listening to this for inspiration, and this is what they're going to hear, lads. This is this is a, a sort of message out there to all the young up and coming pros. Defense is key. <laughs> move, move, move your head at all times. <laughs> Jamie, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Best of luck uh, this weekend with both your charges, of course. Chantel Cameron, massive fight against Jessica McCaskill. Akif Viaz back in action as well, pushing on to titles next year. We can't wait. All live on the zone this weekend, Jay. Always a pleasure. Top yeah, man. Nice. Thank nice you, mate. Thank you very much. Well, we move on now to our Everyone But The Fighter segment, the part of the show where we pay focus to just that, Everyone But The Fighter. Let me hand you back over now to producer Scott, who's going to tell us all who we are speaking to this week. Thanks, Jamie. We've um, obviously spoke to various members of the boxing world across various different little industries on in this section of the show. We've had nutrition, matchmaking, media, hand wrapping. Well, today we're going to take a turn into the world of strength and conditioning and speak to Dimitri Bivol's coach, Taylor Ramsdell. 
Well, the everyone but the fighter segment of this show is always a segment that I always look forward to in Delighted to be joined by Taylor Ramsdall today, strength and conditioning coach of Dimitri Bivol. Taylor, when we, we caught up, we came out here, of course, a few weeks ago to do the filming with Dimitri. We came deep in camp with you guys who were staying in a lovely villa just down the road. You just told me there that you're on cloud nine right now being out here in Abu Dhabi. How have you enjoyed the whole process being out here for camp and how's the main man looking ahead of Saturday night? Man, I've loved the entire experience of being in Abu Dhabi. Um, this entire camp, we started in Kyrgyzstan then it was Russia, then we were here in the UAE. And everywhere we've gone has just been so very welcoming. Everybody's been very welcoming in this last, you know, we got here September 27th. The time we spent here has been, it's been great. I mean, it's great energy. You know, everybody, everybody is just legitimately genuine, you know, and, and I see that and I respect that a ton. Do you want to start uh, just by telling the listeners about how you came to work with Dimitri and basically a little bit about what you do behind the scenes? Yeah, so... Dimitri came to me in 2017, just uh, over five years ago, um, just over five years ago. And he came to me through another trainer who was getting ready to hit the road with another client. Um, and we started working together. And from there, we just bonded and just continued to do our thing. And in terms of him as a fighter, you said right now you're happy with where he's at. What do you mean by that? Every camp, I look at it as he needs to be better than he was the last camp. And this camp, he's better than he was last camp. And anybody that saw the last fight or any of his fights know, you know, how prepared he is and how he looks during the fight. So it just continues to get better. I've watched you up close. I've seen uh, some of your methods. You get into it, man. And I think there's a brilliant clip where, with Dimitri and you're like, look, I'm not taking it easy on this guy. You know, we, we really put him through it. And I think you were shouting him, look, take my fucking head off. Like when he was like throwing the ball at you and stuff. You've got to get them going, right? And you've got to, you've got to get them enjoying it and, and seeing the benefits. Is there a bit of a, a line that you, you have to find with your clients that you work with? Absolutely. Everybody is different as, to, as far as what gets them going. You know, some people need a push. Some people you need to pull back a little bit. I found with Dimitri, sometimes it's both. You know, we need to, we need to find that balance of where he's at in camp, where the mindset is, and then push him just to get better. Um, and we have fun. A lot of it is keeping it interesting and having fun because if training isn't fun, it just becomes so mundane and it's just hard work. And just like you said, you saw we work very hard. But if it's not fun, we don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, you have to want to do the job. Well, I want to ask you about that switch with Dimitri because we talked about, you know, what he's like as a person. He's a, such a chilled out guy. And I mean, in Vegas, the whole build up to that Canelo fight week, it was such a massive week for him. A huge life changing opportunity financially in terms of boosting his profile like he has done, obviously. But you said when he's walking to the ring, you see it. You see the change in him and perhaps other people do not see it. When does that switch flick for Dimitri and what difference do you see in him and when does it happen? A lot of times I like just to let that happen and, and to see it, but, but I'll, I'll say it. Last night we did a, a public workout and I let somebody close to me know, let my family know we have a family group thread text and I was like, I saw it start happening tonight. This was last night when he was wrapping his hands. You know, like I, I just see it because here, here's the thing. We don't like to be all fired up and kill, kill, kill for months because if you're that way, then you get burnt out. By the time you get to the fight, it's like, yeah, I've been doing this in my head for six weeks. You know, I'm tired of it. But watching him, I can just see it begin to happen. It's usually, you know, during fight week, a little bit, maybe two weeks out, but usually it's just fight week and just a couple days before it starts shifting a little bit to where he's going from this nice guy that we're all in love with, which we still are, to somebody that is literally getting in the ring to defend what's his. You know, there, there are quotes out there online right now, this, this next opponent of ours saying he's going to take everything that he has. Like, no, he's not. You know, and, and you can't just motivate yourself on this. You have to motivate yourself on, I have a job to do. These are my skills. I'm going to make that fight mine. I'm going to own that ring. The rest of the stuff doesn't matter. The rest of the stuff is just jibber-jabber talk is BS. What Dimitri does, Dimitri steps in the ring and he talks in the ring. He does his talking in the ring with his hands, you know, and that's what's great about him. And even leading up to Canelo fight before all that stuff, a lot of people wanted him to talk trash and they like jab things, try to get him to answer things, you know, and, and he's, he's a very smart guy. He's witty. So he's able to do it in a respectful banter, 
but without stepping outside of who he is. Now, when he's in the ring, I tell him no respect in the ring. I mean, this is a fight. We're, we're, not, we're not playing ping pong. We're not, you know, doing any. I played American football, which is a very violent sport, but it's still, you're not punching each other in the face. When you're punching each other in the face, it's different. Before and after the fight, sure, respect, especially after the fight. But in the fight, I want him to be a killer. You're talking about that wit he has. I remember there was one conversation we had in the villa and I said that Zerdo thinks you've been running, he thinks that you've been avoiding him, and he just said, I avoided Zerdo by fighting Canelo. Yeah. So like, well, he has this way of like talking trash in his own unique way, but being, being smart with it, doesn't he? And I'm just factual. I mean, he, the, way, the way he talks trash is he, he spits facts. Like he says factual things, you know, like that. And that was a question when he said that it was, it was stating it like in a question thing. Like, no, I didn't. You know what I mean? Like, that's, it's just crazy. It's ridiculous. And that, that stuff, we all, we all know it's, it's not true, you know, and it's still, like, to him, I, I don't think it's him. As a coach and I watch it all, it's kind of like, come on. Like, if you're going to talk trash, at least have some substance. You know, at least have some substance. Be good at it. You know, because it, and also all that stuff, it, it helps us all. It, it grows. It puts more eyes on the fight. You know, it puts so respect to that. But just like anything else, be good at what you do. And some of the trash talking this time is just not, I just, it's just not witty. It's just not good. As much as the, certainly I think in, in Britain, and I'm sure in America as well, Everyone has got a lot of interest in Demetri now because of the last fight with Canelo, of course. But it seems also his English is improving. We know he watched a lot of Friends, didn't he, during, yeah. during lockdown, which, which certainly helped his English improve. But it seems that there's a, that endearing factor to him. A bit like Alexander Usyk, albeit his English is stronger than Usyk's. It seems like there's that endearing factor to him that, you know, when he's speaking more English, people are becoming more relatable to him as a person as well. Have you noticed that, that the profile is growing all around as a fighter and as a man now? Absolutely. Um, many more eyes are on him. People are getting to know him um, more through, you know, with you guys, what you guys are doing, what, what the media is doing and, and getting more of his character and personality out there. And I've actually had people reach out to me about this fight from the work that you guys did, Jamie, from the, the, the episodes you guys have put out and they've watched it. And they messaged me and be like, man, like I was already really wanting to watch the fight and, you know, because they're friends of mine because of you and I've been watching it. But like, he's really fun here. I really like him. You know, I really want to watch it now. And that's, that's just straight off. Like, we don't need to look at the numbers. I mean, we're getting direct messages about this. So, but yeah, we, we've seen, we've seen the growth a lot. And again, that's, that's in any industry. I mean, he had, he's had the spotlight on him. So when the spotlight's on you, like you need to shine. And that's just naturally, he's just really good at this. You know, he's really good at all of it. He's good at the, the boxing. You have to be an incredible boxer, but you also a lot of this, like I was saying before we started, like without you guys, we don't exist. Without us, you guys don't exist. So being able to work the whole system is essential to continued success. Yeah, you gotta, I mean, you gotta kick ass. You gotta win the fight, that's the main thing. But there's a, as you know, there's a lot of buildup to it. You know, so seeing him do that, and with the English, 100%. I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. When I started working with him, he didn't speak any English. You know, he understood, he understood me a little bit but we made it work but that was just like I said that was in the spring of 2017 and now he speaks great English and I'm, I'm amazed that he learned from friends I because I, I'm currently taking um, lessons in Russian language learning it just out of respect but watching his growth I can't watch a Russian television show and learn Russian so I don't know I, I'm just amazed and I asked him like did you watch subtitles no his subtitles are in English so you pause and learn I'm like okay like it worked for him and that goes too is like with with boxing you know the a lot of the general pub public see you know boxing as guys are getting hit in the head and maybe dumbed down a little bit Dimitri is a very smart guy you know, and that, that also goes into the ring. You know, he's a very smart fighter. People talk about his ring IQ. His actual IQ is very high. Obviously, you're there to do a job, right? But you've also got to be proud of, proud of yourself when these type of nights happen. You said everyone was surprised apart from everyone who's on the inside of the Bivol camp. For you personally to, you know, to be in the corner, to be a part of that, to be the pound for pound number one in many people's eyes in Las Vegas. How do you look back on that night now as a whole and... Um, what it meant to you personally oh man it, it was it was huge and in the moment this isn't just like knowing what to say and being humble but it was it was his night you know and like I said earlier in this he's like a little brother so seeing this and seeing all the people around and knowing 
I was telling people before the fight, like after Bevel wins Saturday, I was like, he's going to wake up Sunday morning a superstar. You know, I just saw that happening. And so, I mean, I'm, I love my job. I'm, I mean, I literally, I mean, you can see I have goosebumps right now. It's, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. You know, I'm honored. I'm very grateful. I'm very humbled by all of it because Dimitri Bevel, I truly see him as a living legend. You know, I do. And I see that, I believe that we're just getting started to see all the things that he's going to accomplish. Well, he said that, he said that in the interview. He yeah. said, he said that he's just getting started. It's just beginning. Oh, great. Then yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, and it is. And, and, you know, obviously the Canelo fight is something is, is a soundbite and it's a, it's a talking point because it's huge. It's, it's Canelo and nothing but respect to Canelo. Canelo is Canelo. You know, Canelo is the name Canelo because of all that he's done. It just so happens that Dimitri Bivol is better than him. You know, he's a better boxer, you know, and, and we saw that that night. And to be able to see him on that big stage and just to see how cool he is with it all and how he gets the pressure doesn't push him down the pressure lifts him up I mean it's it's something and I see it in his face too he enjoys that he enjoys all these people watching him because that's what he wants to do he wants to be great you know, and in order to be great, you have to have a lot of eyes on you. And when the eyes are on you, you have to be great. You know, so watching him do it is amazing. What it was for me, it was just a, it was an amazing accomplishment being part of the team. You know, being a part of something that will be talked about for forever. You know, it was one of those great fights, you know, and in, in, the, in the world, it was a great upset. To us, it wasn't an upset. You know, it wasn't an upset because we know his skill level. You know, it wasn't like this guy that just worked really hard and beat the better guy. I think that he's just a better boxer. And Canelo is one of the greatest of all time. Like I said, I, I'm not, there's no disrespect there at all. I'm a fan of Canelo. I think he's a great boxer. I'm just more of a fan of Bevel. Last two questions that we ask all of our guests we have on this segment of the show, Taylor, and interesting questions. The first one, when the fight starts, how does the fight play out? through your eyes how do you feel how are the emotions when you're watching the fight ringside what tends to be going through your mind oh man it's it's hard <laughs> it's hard i mean i, I don't i don't want to sit here and say it's hard watching i mean they're the ones that are in the ring actually fighting but that's the moment that you know it's like your 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 guy or your girl if you're training a girl is is in there and you just you want them to succeed so watching it is is tough and I, I like to go back and watch the fight a second time because a lot of times when I watch the fight a second time it's a totally different fight than the one that I watched during the fight there are some times when I'm watching the fight and like my job in the corner is I'm there to help the coach in any way I can if the cut man needs something you know I'm just there as a, as a hand to help my job as strength and conditioning coach is already finished it's finished now this fight week you know we're just getting ready for the fight but in that moment during the fight, watching it, it's, it's a rush. It's a rush. And it's, it's odd, though, because it's different than watching it from the stands as a fan because it's, it's a rush, but it's also tunnel vision and this hyper-focus. So I don't even know how to explain it. All I know is that I care very, very much for the people that I train. And watching them in there, I want nothing more than for them to succeed. Finally, for young, budding S&C coaches, what advice would you give them? And what do you believe you need to have to succeed in this industry that you work in? Stay humble, continue to research and learn, not just from social media, and ask questions. You know, reach out, you know, reach out and ask people questions. Don't be worried about how you look like you like you don't know everything. I'll tell you right now, there's I, I know... I know very little when it comes to everything that there is to learn, and I know a lot, you know, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn. I'm constantly adapting and developing and also continually learning that maybe what I did yesterday wasn't as good as what I can do tomorrow, you know, so basically just stay humble, continue to learn, and reach out to other guys. If you see people that are, are doing something you want to do, reach out and just ask questions. If they're busy, they'll get back to you. Or if they don't answer, ask somebody else, you know, like that whole thing, knock on as many doors as you can. And then if you continue to knock on doors, and it doesn't work, then kick a motherfucker down and make it happen. You know, and that's, that's, that's a part of it too. 
Great stuff, Taylor. So good uh, to talk to you. I probably could sit and talk to you all day, to be, to be honest. But thanks so much for coming on. Final, final word. One sentence. What happens in Saturday's main event? Dimitri Bivol continues his path to greatness and wins with dominant fashion. Taylor, we cannot wait. Dimitri Bivol, Zerda Ramirez live on the zone this Saturday night from Abu Dhabi. Do not miss it. Taylor Ramsdale, absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Well, to finish the show, as always, this week, we're delighted to be joined by one-third of the Yafais, Gamal Yafai, on the show this week. Gamal, great to have you on. First of all, we were just talking off-camera there. How's your week been in Abu Dhabi so far? Probably a little bit disappointed that you're not on the card with your two brothers, but nice to be here and supporting them, as always. Yeah, it's my first time here, and it's been it's been great. Um I'm enjoyed it with the boys. Um I'd have loved to be on the show, of course, but you know, it's, um, I'm glad that they're out here and fighting, and you know, maybe in the future. Seeing Cal back, obviously, Cal's been very much in and amongst the, your camps uh, this year, and also with Galau since he began his, his pro journey as well. He was always the, the sticking block, wasn't he, between the fans? Everyone was debating, you know, whether he would come back, and it's great to see him back. But it has brought to life, hasn't it? The big night that you guys are all dreaming of. We, we would love to be a part of it in Birmingham. Very much a possibility now and, and something, I suppose, it's got to be on the bucket list, right? Yeah, we, we kind of knew Cal was coming back. Um, you know, had a break uh, and he's back now, ready to go. Um, but yeah, the Birmingham show would be great. Um, and it's surely it's got to be done. Surely all three fighters under the matching banner. Um, it, it makes sense. I've asked uh, your two brothers this. Who is the A-side? Who's the main event? Uh, main event? Well, they can have the pressure of being be main event because they're going to have to be in a lot harder fights, aren't they? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they, can, they can have that. Um, but yeah, Galau, it depends if Galau's, Galau, if we have the if we have a show here soon uh, in Birmingham, then you know, um, you'd expect Cal because he's one or two fights away from a world title. I think Galau may be a bit longer. Um, but saying that, Galau's ready to go now. So I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. But you know, Saturday night it gets it out of the way, um, gets easy win, and then moves on. But the, the kid's just got talent to burn, really, um, and he's got to get a move on because wanting to go up a few weights as well and keep dominating sport. But and what? And what about for you, bro? As well, obviously, good win. Uh, last time out, I believe, in, in Cardiff, wasn't it? Um, a, a good win for you that night. In terms of 2023, if you're looking at the sort of boxes that you want to tick, what's been the, been the conversations like with the team, with, with Eddie, and looking ahead to next year? Yeah, hopefully get back to European level um, and, and crack on from there and really, you know, get the, get my full potential at myself, um, which I think I've got. I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely better than what I've shown and, you know, I should be showing that soon. Just a couple of questions on Galau. Obviously, caught the eye when he won Olympic gold in Tokyo, but he certainly, you know, lived up to the expectation and, and the pressures, like you said, that come with being an Olympic gold medalist. Two great performances in the debut. He's being well travelled as well, obviously, in, in London, no two, New York, and then here. So many big fights. In terms of massive domestic fights, talk to me about the potential showdown that we could see with, you know, the likes of Sonny Edwards. Do you believe that this kid is really destined for, for greatness and the you know the, the belt he holds at the moment, the WBC silver is it, I think he's got at the moment. International very much the first of the first minor title of what will be many major ones. The thing is if people think I'm biased because if I t I'm going to say how good he is. They're going to be like, yeah, you're going to say that he's your brother. And that. Obviously, Olympic gold proves how good he is as an amateur. Um, but as a professional, honestly, the, the kids... Um, I've never seen anything like it in the UK, um, in, in the flesh. The only fight I've seen and I thought bloody just unreal is someone like Lemachenko and, and Galau's just behind him, honestly. Um, the things he does, and he does it, he can do what he does at his weight, he does it w with bigger kids. Um, so Galau's a, a handful hand for anyone. Um, and when I tell you now he's ready for the world champions, um, you know, Bam Bam, the, the bit more experience for him now at the minute, but Sonny Edwards, you can swing him in with him tomorrow, you know what I mean? Um, and, and Sonny Edwards knows that, Galau's that good. Um, but all in due course, that will happen soon. And, you know, Galau, we can look back at this, and I, I told you so, because it's a joke. It's, it really is, so. 
Great stuff. So many big nights to look forward to. Let's cross over to Scott, who's just going to throw out some shouts then from the fans. And can we can uh, we can discuss what's been going on last week? But just before we do that, well, you mentioned Bam there. Yeah. Just going through my mind, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we were talking about Callum Smith and Joshua Bawatsi, and I'd be very yeah. torn. Um, obviously, love Galau, but I must admit, I do love Bam Rodriguez as well. Oh. And that, that fight down the line would be huge. Yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bam. Um, we, we've seen his brother a few times out in America. Cal sparred with his brother. Um, you know, they're good people. He's, they're great fighters. Um, but Galau's, um, Galau reminds me of him in some ways. Yeah. Um, obviously, Galau's, um, Galau's a lot more physical, you know, physical and punches a lot, uh, a lot more, throws a lot more. But um, yeah, they're both they're both class, and his his death is ahead of Galau at the minute. Um, but Galau's uh, not not too far behind. Well, the first shout this week is relating to a man you just said as well. Um, Kyle Dyer, 1990, says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Lomachenko winning and setting up the Devin Haney fight. This needs to happen. Great fight. Um, obviously, a lot was made of Devin Haney on the scales, wasn't it, ahead of the Cambosis rematch? But obviously, he, he turned that into a decent performance on the night. I think Loma had something to say to him, didn't he, about about the way that fight. How do you see that going if, if that one does manifest? Um, I just never know with Lomachenko. Lomachenko, in his potential, would have... That, that's why it'd be sad to see Dev, um, Devi Haney beat him because uh, Dilemachenko in his prime would have would have scored him. No one would have, no one wanted to touch him. Then they all they all go now, but they want to fight him now. But because he's not, he's not at his best. Um, but you know, uh, you'd 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 think Haney would be too sharp, um, too big as well. Lemachenko was two weights above his natural weight, I think. But um, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd judge with Haney. But, but I'd fucking, oh, sorry, I'd, 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 I'd hope for Lemachenko win. Yeah, we can swear as much as we like on this podcast. We've got a bit of a free reign. Thankfully, I don't think Eddie listens to it that much, so we can say what we like. <laughs> Mate, I've noticed on this episode, just one word you said about eight times. Manifesting. Where's that coming Manifest. From? Yeah, you've said that eight times. I don't know. Do you know what I think it is? Because I've been speaking to fighters about this week on this show, three massive world title fights and the likes of Zelfa and Rakimov and Jess and Chantel obviously becoming undisputed and winning their first world titles in the Zelfa fight. I've been talking about man- manifesting this moment and manifesting this night quite a lot. So maybe the title of the podcast should be Manifest or something. We'll come up with something. Anyway, what's the next shout? Stop mugging me off. Uh, Billy Heckenbottom suggests we are witnessing a living legend in Katie Taylor. Yeah, well, I said this, uh, I was having a discussion with, I can't remember who it was now, in the in the fight hotel last week about who the real quote is. I'm not a massive fan of that saying. Uh, the quote, obviously, I know Clarissa Shields calls herself the quote, and she is a tremendous fighter and a legend of the sport. But for me, it's Katie. Um, and I think, you know, you say you're witnessing a living legend. I believe that is the case. And, you know, we'd, we'd all love to see her have that big night in Ireland, wouldn't we, next year? Yeah, you, the, the, the thing is, is it's a hard one because... You would have to edge with Katie Taylor because of the fighters she's beat, um, and she's got the the fighters in her weight category who she can mix it with, like Serrano and a few of us. But with Shields, she's only got her and Marshall really, so it's like she's gonna Katie Taylor's beating the better fighters. She's got the better resume. She's um like like I said before, she's got, she's just got the the better fighters in her weight category. So um that's why I edge with with Katie Taylor. But Shields is an unreal fire, and and I could see why she calls herself the goat. Because if if I was, her, I would be saying the same. Um, she's just crazy. She's just unbelievable fire. Yeah. Well, I must confess, the next shout I've not actually seen the fight yet, but Billy O underscore O suggests William Zapeda beating Jojo Diaz. He's a handful. Mm. I think you know he's a, he's a Mexican that's really thrown himself into the mix here. It's made you say it because I was telling Cal Glau the other day. What a handful, honestly. Like I did, I watched him fight that Jody Diaz, and he's a handful. He's a good, really good fighter. But he honestly just, I watched the Haney and Diaz fight before, and it was Haney beat him, but he had problems, and it was you know he won rounds Diaz, but in this fight with Zapida, just absolutely just play beat him easy. Just he wouldn't stop throwing. I was just like, where's this? I didn't know him before. I didn't know much of him. I I've heard of him, but. It was the there's another lad called Zapida as well. Mm. I don't know. Is he top rank? Is he top rank fighter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought it was him, and then he just come out of nowhere. I was just like, this is he's the man to that could potentially take over the division. Hundred percent. 
yeah, one to keep an eye on for sure. Like you say, yeah, kind of gone on the radar a little bit, yeah, but yeah. Uh, had that breakout fight last week. Uh, last shout this week is from Hayley Rawlings, who suggests Pat McCormack signing for Matram. This guy can fight. Well, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, a few people this week, and they've said, you know, talking about the likes of Rob McCracken, mentioning Pat's name and saying that he's the the best fighter he's seen in a decade. Do you know what I mean? Coming out of of the GB squad and Ben Davison believes he's worked with great fighters, obviously the likes of Billy Joe and Josh Taylor and Tyson Fury, but he believes that Pat McCormack will go to the very, very top elite level. Uh, What do you know about the McCormack's Gamal and and are you you excited for Pat's future? Yeah, and again, um, I was saying to Colin Gallo the other day, um, if Pat can do the round, he could potentially be one of the best fighters in the UK. He's in the world, is just unbelievable. I've seen, I've seen him up GB, I've seen him in sparring, I've seen him in obviously his fight. Um, it's a shame he just come across the Cuban, who's been around forever, a lot more experience, and otherwise he'd be a champ, Olympic champion now. He's the, the kid's unreal. He's he's got he's got it all. He really has. Um, and I'm not just saying that. He's he's a lovely lad as well, but he's he's seriously a great fighter. And if he can do the rounds put your house on it for him to be a world champion within, you know. You could put you could put him in with anyone now if you could do the rounds. Literally, is is that good? Well man, we can't wait for the future. So many big fights to be made next year. We're excited to see you back in the ring in two thousand and twenty three as well to get back to European level and of course beyond. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Best of luck to your brothers. Really enjoyed that. So good to be back. Thanks as always for listening, our diehard listeners, I'm sure there's certainly a few of you out there, but thanks also, as always, to our guests this week ahead of this Saturday's show in Abu Dhabi, Joe Cordina, Jessica McCaskill, Taylor Ramsdell, Jamie Moore, and of course, Gamal Yafai, who eagerly awaits his older brother Cal's return, and Olympic gold medalist Galal Yafai as well. We'll be back next week as we look ahead to what is next in the calendar for the remainder of this year. Dillian White versus Jermaine Franklin lands, of course, on November the 26th. But before that, we're back in Cleveland with the return of Montana Love, a homecoming fight for him with Stevie Spark. Don't miss that. All the action, as always, live on Design. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 